The Unpracticed Disorganized Acting Company presents Star Trek Yesteryear by DC Fontana. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission? To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Captain's Log, Stardate 5373.4. We are in orbit around the planet of the Time Vortex, the focus of all the timelines of our galaxy. Our mission is to assist a team of historians in the investigation of Federation history. The Guardian of Forever, an uneven circle jetting out of the ground in the middle of the ruins. Waiting near the ancient artifact are Dr. McCoy, Gray, a woman with a purple streak in her hair, and a leak who appears to be a giant yellow bird. Travelers are returning. Cease review. Kirk appears from the mist within the Guardian of Forever's open area. He is accompanied by Erickson, a historian. What a trip, Bones. Orion, at the dawn of its civilization, even just observing, not touching anything for fear of changing some piece of history. What's the matter? Bones? Spock is standing in the middle of the Guardian. Who's he, Jim? What do you mean, who's he? You know Mr. Spock. Afraid I don't. Kirk to Enterprise. Enterprise? Beam up. Hi, sir. In the transporter room, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Erickson have rematerialized. Captain, I was expecting there to be one of the historians with ya, but a Vulcan? Explain yourself, Mr. Scott. Sir, I don't know what's going on, but the first officer of the ship will be treated with respect. An Andorian enters. He wears the science uniform and has commander stripes on his sleeves. Captain, I assure you, no one has ever treated me otherwise. Who are you? Oh, I thought sure you'd know Thelen by now, Jim. He's been your first officer for five years. Captain, I have come to the conclusion that this is not a game. No, but if it's reality, what happened? Captain's Log, Supplemental. When we were in the Time Vortex, something appears to have changed the present as we know it. No one aboard recognizes Mr. Spock. The only answer is that the past was somehow altered. Shortly later, a beating is in progress. Nothing. I can't find one thing we did when we were in the Vortex that could possibly have affected the future. But something was changed? It seems, Captain, that I am the only one affected. The mission, the ship, the crew, except for myself, remains the same. But I know who you are, and no one else aboard does. While we were in Orion's past, the time revision that took place here didn't affect me. A video intercom beeps on the table. Kirk here. Sir, we've checked the Starfleet records Commander Thalen asked for. Your findings? There is no Vulcan named Spock serving with the Starfleet in any capacity. Did you also research the Vulcan family history requested? Yes, sir. I can relay that to your screen. Bates' image is replaced with a static image of Spock's father. Sarek of Vulcan, ambassador to 17 Federation planets in the past 30 years. That is not correct. It is in this case. I wish to ask a question. What of Sarek's family, his wife and son? Sarek's picture is replaced with that of his wife. Amanda, wife of Sarek, born on Earth as Amanda Grayson. The couple separated after the death of their son. Now the image is that of wreckage, barely identifiable as that of a shuttlecraft. 
The wife was killed in a shuttle accident at Lunaport on her way home to Earth. Ambassador Sarek has not remarried. My mother? The son? What was the name and age when he died? Spock, age seven. Back on the Forever Planet, Kirk, Spock, and Thalen have been questioning Gray and Alik. If we didn't change anything while we were in the time vortex, someone else must have. Was the Guardian in use while we were gone? Yes, but it was nothing unusual. We were scanning recent Vulcan history. What time period? 20 to 30 Vulcan years past. Was there any notation on the death of Ambassador Sarek's son? Yes, the boy is recorded as dying during the maturity test. The cuss one, a survival test traditional for young males. The date was... The 20th day of Tasmin. How do you know this? That was the day my cousin saved my life in the desert when I was attacked by a wild animal. This cousin, what was his name? I do not recall clearly. I was very young. He called himself Selick. He was visiting us, but I never saw him after that. Spock, did Selick look like you do now? I believe so, Captain, and I know what you're thinking. It was I who saved myself that other time. But this time, you were on Orion's past with us when the historians had the time vortex replay Vulcan history. You couldn't be in two places at once, so you died as a boy. Guardian, did you hear that? I hear all. Is it possible for Spock to return to Vulcan and repair the timeline that has been broken so all is the same as before? It is possible if no other major factor is changed. I do not remember everything. There is a vague memory from a child's point of view, but the details are not clear. You have to remember, for you and your mother to live. Yes, I will need a Vulcan desert soft suit and boots, and a small selection of streetwear, circa 8877 Vulcan years. The carry bag should be of the same period. You've got it. I'll order the wardrobe section to prepare it now. This change in the timeline will put you in my place, yet I am not aggrieved. Andorians are not known for their charity. True. A warrior race has few sympathies, but one we do possess is for family. In your time plane, you will live and so will your mother. That is valuable. Live long and prosper in your world, Commander Spock. And you in yours, Commander Thalene. The requested clothes and bag materialize, having been beamed down from the Enterprise. Nice to know the crew is efficient in this time plane, too, Bok. I wish to visit the planet Vulcan, 30 years past, the month of Tasmin. Location? Near the city of Shirkar. The time and place are ready to receive you. Personal log. Stardate 5373.5. Subjective time. I have returned to the past in an attempt to restore the future. I am home, and I had almost forgotten its beauty. Now on the planet of his birth, but roughly 30 years in his subjective past, Spock watches a group of children verbally bullying another. Earther, barbarian, emotional Earther, you're a Terran, Spock. You can never be a true Vulcan. That is not true! My father... Your father brought Shane to Vulcan. He married a human. Young Spock lunges at him, but they dodge him easily. You haven't even mastered a simple Vulcan neck pick yet, Earther. My apologies, visitor. I regret you were witness to that unfortunate display of emotion on the part of my son. In the family, all is silence. No more will be said of it. Live long and prosper, Sareka Vulcan. Peace and long life. You are of my family? My name is Selick. 
a humble cousin descended of Tepel and Sasak. I'm journeying to the family shrine to honor our gods. You have a long way to go. Will you break your journey with us for a while, cousin? I'm honored. Is something wrong, cousin? No. No, it was only that I seemed to know you. A family resemblance to our forefathers, no doubt. No doubt. Well, come then. Allow me to welcome you to my home. A short walk later, they are in the courtyard of the main house on Surik's estate. Surik calls Spock away from his enormous pet Selot. This is Aicheya, and he is a big furry quadruped with large fangs. Spock, being Vulcan means following disciplines and philosophies that are difficult and demanding of both mind and body. Yes, father. You constantly display your emotions. You have even been seen fighting in the street. Yes, father. The time draws near when you will have to decide whether you will follow Vulcan or human philosophy. Vulcan offers much. No war. No crime. Order. Logic. And control. In place of raw emotions and instinct. Once on the path you choose, you cannot turn back. Yes, father. In the house... Spock has been introduced to his mother. Spock's older adopted sister, Michael, is studying at a portable terminal set on the kitchen table. I hope you were not disturbed by my son's behavior, Selleck. No, my lady Amanda. Any child has much to learn. My young cousin has a more difficult road to travel than others. <laughs> you seem to understand him better than my husband. It is difficult for a father to bear less than perfection in his son, Spock will find his way. I hope so. I respect Vulcan and all its traditions, but it is a demanding life. The boy goes through the Kaswan ordeal soon, does he not? Next month. But tomorrow is the 20th day of Tasmin. Yes. Is something wrong? I seem to have lost track of time. Still in the courtyard, Sarek is talking to young Spock. Soon you will undergo your test of adulthood in the desert. To survive for ten days without food, water, or weapon on Vulcan's Forge will demand more of you than anything ever has. To fail once is not a disgrace for others. If you fail, there will be those who will call you a coward all your life. I do not expect you to fail. What if I do, Father? There is no need to ask that question. You will not disappoint me. Not if your heart and spirit are Vulcan. Sarek enters the house. Aichaya, what if I'm not a true Vulcan, like they say? In the guest room he has been assigned, Spock gathers his thoughts. Personal log, stardate 5373.9, subjective time. The timeline seems to have changed again, yet I do not believe I have done anything to disrupt it. My memory is quite clear regarding the date my cousin saved my life, and it is tomorrow. The Kaswan ordeal is an ancient rite of warrior days. When Vulcans turn to logic, they reason they must maintain the tests of courage and strength to keep our pure logic from making them weak and helpless. It is nighttime, and young Spock has snuck out. His pet wants to go with him. No, Aichaya. This is my own test. I have to do it alone. Stay. Young Spock leaves, and the Selot bounds after him anyway. This has been observed by his older self, who is watching from the bedroom. Of course. I should have remembered. It wasn't the actual Kaswan ordeal. 
shortly later in the desert. Aichaya, go home. You are too old and too fat for this. The Salot whimpers. That's how you always get around mother, but it does not work with me. Go home, Aichaya. Personal log. The boy Spock should be moving towards the Langon Mountains. He, I, had much to prove myself. The personal ordeal upon which I embarked was meant to determine the course of my life would take. It is now morning in Sarek's house. Both of Spock's older siblings, Cybok and Michael, quietly and respectfully stand near their parents. Sarek, our son and visitor are gone. Mother and Michael searched the house while I investigated the other buildings. Achaya is also missing. His cousin, Selik. Something strange about him. You don't think he'd harm Spock? I don't know, Amanda. I will notify the authorities and ask them to initiate a search. Up in the mountains, Achaya is protecting young Spock by taking on a Lematia, a green cat-like predator for him. The Lematia gains the advantage and wounds the Salot. The elder Spock, just catching up, leaps on the creature's back and neck pinches it. Achaya, good boy. I suggest we move away from this area before the Lamatia regains consciousness. Thank you for helping me and Achaya. It was my duty, Spock. Mother says you should always say thank you. The Lady Amanda is known for her graciousness. Do you think I'll ever be able to do that neck pinch as well as you? I dare say you will. Come now. The three walk away from the sleeping carnivore. <laughs> you followed me. Why? I suspected you would go. You are worried about the Kashman ordeal. I had to see if I could do it. A personal test. I cannot fail. That is your father's wish? Yes, and my mother's. They, they confuse me. Father wants me to do things his way, and Mother says I should, but then she goes... She is a human woman with strong emotion and sensitivities. She embarrasses you with those traits, and you are afraid when you see them in yourself. How did you know? There is some human blood in my family line. It is not fatal. What you do not yet understand, Spock, is that Vulcans do not lack emotion. It is only that ours is controlled. Logic offers a serenity humans seldom experience in full. We have emotions, but we deal with them, and we do not let them control us. Aichea collapses with a whimper. Aichea! The Lematia struck him with its poison claws in the fight. Is he dying? Yes. Personal log. Something unexpected has again occurred. The Silat, Aichea, was struck by the poisonous claw of the Lematia he fought. He is dying unless we can find a healer, and soon. Young Spock kneels next to his beloved pet. It is not logical, but he loves Achea. We cannot get him back to the city to the healer. He is too large to move. Then what? You are a Vulcan. What is the logical thing to do? I, I can bring a healer here. It is a long journey across the desert. There are many dangers. I will go. No, this is my duty. No one else can do it for me. Will you stay with him? Adult Spock nods, and young Spock heads back to the city as quickly as he can. This did not happen before. My life decision was made without the sacrifice of yours, old friend. I know there is pain. I can help a little. Sleep now. Having avoided the further dangers of the desert, young Spock arrives back at the city of Shirkar and the door of a healer's abode. 
The hour is late. I trust your errand is urgent. Most urgent healer. My Salat fought a Lamatia in the Langan foothills. He suffered a small wound, but the poison of its claws is working in him now. Please, you must come with me. He needs your healing. You are Spock, son of Sarek, are you not? Yes, healer. I have heard of you. I have heard of a tendency towards what humans call practical jokes. I did that once, two years ago. Healer, I would not call you out unless a life was in danger. Have you ever heard the son of Sarek was a liar? No, that has never been said. Very well, wait here and I will get my medicines. Healer, please hurry. In a very short time, the healer and young Spock arrive in a hover car where the Salot and older Spock are waiting. It will not be long now, old friend. The healer begins attending to Achea. You made the desert crossing most efficiently. You will not disappoint Sarek in your Kashwan. I wanted only to help Achea. He was my father's before he was mine. To lose him. A Vulcan would face such a loss without tears. How? By understanding every life comes to an end when time demands it. Loss of life is to be mourned, but only if the life was wasted. Achaya's was not. Spock. Yes, sir? It has been too long. No antidote known will save his life. Is there nothing you can do? I can prolong his life, but he will be in pain. Or I can release him from life. I will need your decision. He is your pet. Release him. It is fitting he dies with peace and dignity. Young Spock's determination keeps him from crying as Achea goes to sleep in his arms for the last time. The healer returns them to Sarek's house. I regret having troubled you in any way, but it was necessary. I trust you can explain why it was necessary? There was a decision to be made. A direction for my life had to be chosen. I chose Vulcan. It is good, then. You have comported yourself with honor. We will see Achaya is brought home from the mountains. Thank you, Father. If you will excuse me now, I have some business to conduct with schoolmates. Business? A demonstration of the Vulcan neck pinch. Our cousin taught me. I, too, must make my farewells. Your hospitality has been most kind, but I must journey on. You saved my son's life, Selick. There is no way I can fully repay you for that. Try to understand your son, Sarek of Vulcan. It will be repayment enough for me. A strange request, but I will honor it. My home is yours, if you pass this way again. I think I shall not. Peace and long life. Live long and prosper, cousin. Thirty years later, on the Forever Planet, The Traveler is returning. Spock emerges from the Guardian's time mist. I sent the others up to the ship. What happened? One small thing was changed this time. A pet died. A pet? Well, that wouldn't mean much in the course of time. It might to some. Enterprise, this is the captain. Two to beam up. Two to beam up, aye, sir. Dr. McCoy is waiting for them as they rematerialize in the transporter room. Well, well, well. So you two finally got back from your vacation. While you've been running all over Orion's creation, I've been running the annual crew physicals. You're the last ones. Welcome aboard, Mr. Spock. 
Never mind the chit chat. I've got my medical scanners all set up for a Vulcan. I have to recalibrate it every time. I run a physical on you, Spock. Dr. McCoy, you do not know your good fortune. If the times were different, you would have to recalibrate it for an Andorian. What's that supposed to mean? That was supposed to be a joke, Spock. I have to remind you, Vulcans don't tell jokes. Times change, Doctor. Times change. And the five-year mission continues. The Unpracticed Disorganized Acting Company podcast is a Podcastcadia production. Copyright 2020, Jeff Pullier. This episode was recorded the 11th of December, 2020. Our cast this episode was Alex as Captain Kirk, Lieutenant Bates, and Scotty. Ananda as the Guardian of Forever, Cybok, and Boyd. Catherine as Spock and McCoy. Derek as young Spock and Amanda. Ellen as Sarek and Uhura. Gina as the Vulcan healer, Michael, Gray, and Boy 2. And myself, Jeff, as the narrator, Alik, Erickson, and Commander Thalen. Star Trek Yesteryear was written by DC Fondana and aired the 15th of September, 1973. The script was copied from Chakotea.net and adapted for audio by Jeff Pallier. Star Trek and all related elements are the intellectual property of CBS Studios. The unpracticed, disorganized acting company performs for the enjoyment of it and is not profiting in money, goods, or services from this presentation. Our theme music is Royal Coupling by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. To learn more about the unpracticed, disorganized acting company, look for us on Facebook. There you can learn about upcoming projects and how you can also participate.